Welcome to Simply Why, a podcast about money and purpose, where we pull back the curtain on running a financial advisory business focused on providing intentional advice to couples and families. I'm Dennis Morton. And I'm Katie Brown. Welcome back, and thanks for tuning in. Welcome back. And on this episode of the podcast, Katie and I are going to talk about one of the things that we stand strongly against in the financial industry. Katie, this ties into one of our three words for 2023. What are we so strongly against in the financial world? And I'm not even going to limit this to the financial world. Okay. (laughs) Complexity. Mm. There's automatically going to be so many things that are complex in each of our worlds, each of our days and our families and, and, I think that we feel very strongly about not adding to that in your financial life. Yes. So where where does this show up? How does the financial industry feed complexity into our lives? It shows up everywhere uh, across the spectrum. Mm -hmm. We talk about financial industry and complexity. The initial thought is to go toward investments and how that shows up in the investing world. But really, it can show up across various facets of financial planning as well. Complexity requires a gatekeeper. And I think sometimes a financial advisor will, in the interest of being a gatekeeper and the person who's valuable in a relationship, use complexity as the reason for their existence. Like, you wouldn't understand this if it weren't for me. And I think that's just kind of the wrong role to have. I much prefer the advisory role of someone who delivers on simplicity rather than is, is like, I'm, I'm the great wizard of Oz behind the curtain who has this all figured out. Yeah. And, uh, and the only way you can understand it is through me. That's one of the reasons that bothers me about how the industry sets it up. Yeah, I agree completely. I think you're exactly right. I think even advisors or other professionals justify their worth by how complex or sophisticated. I think oftentimes complex strategies fall under the cloak of sophistication. Mm, yeah. Once you reach a certain level of sophistication within your financial life, then here are all the things that you can have access to and that you should do. And it's frustrating mm-hmm. just because you have so many dollars in the bank or investments or you're you know, successful to whatever degree in your business, that does not mean that you need to add in additional complexity because to get there, you probably already have complexity. Yeah. We've talked to clients in the past or even prospective clients. Somebody will come in and say, I have this portfolio. It's okay, but isn't there something more special I could be doing? Isn't there something different and everything else? And a lot of times, because we work with a lot of business owners, we're looking at their balance sheet and saying, this looks pretty complex. You got a couple of LLCs here, some real estate, multi-generational wealth transfers happening. Why introduce layers of complexity where they don't need to show up? Right. Because in the end, it leads to confusion, which doesn't help with decision-making. Right. And I think some of that comes from good intentions Mm -hmm. in that when you have different investment products that are private. So if we're talking about private equity, private debt, some alternative assets, alternative investments, you have to have a certain level of net worth or earnings to be an accredited investor. So you have to be at a certain level in order to be pitched these ideas or to gain access to these ideas. And so I think very quickly then people draw a line and say, oh, okay, you're here. Now you can get this. But the reality is, as you said, they might already have facets of that on their balance sheet. I mean, how often do we have business owners come to us and say, should I be doing something over here? 
and we remind them, well, you already have a lot of private equity on your balance sheet. Oh, yeah. And and so once again, just because you kind of cross that line into being that accredited investor status does not necessarily mean that the strategies on the other side are going to be a good fit for you and your family. And there's a lot of trade-offs that can come along with those. Yeah. So how do you know if you have more complexity than you need? I know one of the places where it shows up, it drives me nuts, is in financial uh, statements, custodial statements. You see sometimes reams of paper or PDFs that just have laundry lists of securities, no coherent strategy. It's just a list of things. And it doesn't make sense to the client. It rarely reports on performance. All the knowledge, none of the wisdom, mm -hmm. like it's all there, but it doesn't tell you anything. And I think that's one of the first areas that I see people come and say, tell me what's happening in my financial life. And it's almost impossible to tell by looking at your statements. I would agree. That's one of the ways. I think another way is if you can't off the top of your head state the different items on your balance sheet, if you don't know off the top of your head all the different things that you own and where they're at, and not that you have to know every single investment within the portfolio, but do you know where your accounts are? Do you know all the different moving financial pieces in your life off the top of your head? If it's too many to know off the top of your head, you probably have more complexity than you need. All right, for all of you who haven't sat in a financial planning session with Katie Brown, page one of your financial plan presentation is a list of the items in your balance sheet. If you have more than a couple of bank accounts, you're in for a long conversation. Because <laughs> <laughs> Katie will look at all of your different financial relationships and say, this is too much. <laughs> Well, and, and I, I stand by, it has to have a purpose. As long as everything has a purpose and it provides organization for you and your family and, and it helps you to keep things simplified in your own way, then great. That's fantastic. But once you get past that and you start to question like, oh, wait a second, why do I still have that bank account from when I had my mortgage three mortgages ago? Right. Or... Right. Or why didn't I roll over that small 401k that's been sitting out there with the employer from 20 years ago? Once those things start to get, I don't want to say wings, they're not going anywhere, but, but once, once they're not top of mind anymore, then they're not serving the greatest purpose for you and your family. And so let's get it back to a spot where it can be productive. Financial accounts are like an invasive weed. Like they just get, they just get in there and they start popping up everywhere. The bank where we do our primary banking right now, which I know I've been complaining to you about for a number of years, it's the bank account that we opened for our engagement savings for a wedding 20 years ago, 20 plus years ago. And we're still there. It's, you know, I'm a professional. It's really hard to kick loose. And it's a layer of complexity in our lives that we don't need. But I'm guessing you probably don't have five other bank accounts on top of that too. Hopefully, maybe. No, not five. <laughs> That's why you haven't done my financial plan recently. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to have that conversation. <laughs> so another place where complexity shows up, fees. Oh my gosh. It's used to justify fees. Like, hey, this, we have this big complex thing over here. It's going to cost you a little bit more, but it's better for one reason or another. Or just duplicate layers upon layers of fees. And, and shame on the industry because it's so hard to figure out what you're paying in the first place. But complexity only adds it in because you pay different prices in different ways for different financial products and services. Yes, definitely in fees. And I'm going to say maybe along those same lines in your taxes. Oh, yeah. I think when you review your tax return and if you have 
a schedule D that's full of different statements from different places, you know, going back to, to multiple accounts, probably some duplication, or you have a lot of K1s. I think K1s can be sneaky sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> in the investing world. You can buy something that you may not realize is as complex as it is until it comes time to do your taxes. And, and you realize, oh, that was actually a limited partnership or some sort of investment that's going to kick off a nuance to my tax structure now. Now, some of you listening might be saying, well, how do I know if I have an investment that produces a K-1? <laughs> You'd know. <laughs> <laughs> you would know. One, one of the first tip-offs might be that you don't get that K-1 until the end of March, if you're lucky. Until April 10th. Yeah. <laughs> or August, potentially. <laughs> yeah. So the results of complexity, it's almost like poor health habits or other other bad habits. It's something you can tolerate for a while, but eventually there's some negative results of having things that are too complex. So what's top of mind for you? Where does it show up in the long term? Uh, Well, you know, I think one of the first places it shows up is, is just simply in confusion. By being confused with what you own, you might be misplacing expectations and so if you don't have clear expectations for how something is contributing to your financial life, you're likely to be disappointed somewhere. Mm-hmm. Disappointment is the disconnect between expectations and reality. So it's it's going to show up in some form or fashion, but I think it, I think it starts with that confusion and then by extension just gets more challenging. And I think one of the places where it does show up in a lot of the work that we do with couples a lot of times we see one person embrace the complexity and the other person be turned off by it. Yes. And I'm going to pick on the guys here because we've seen it a lot where they gravitate toward some of the, some of the investing and stock picking and a lot of other things. And there's a lot of complexity that exists within their heads or in a spreadsheet somewhere. And the spouse or partner might be turned off by it. And it's a barrier to conversation because one person can't explain it. The other person doesn't want to ask. Yes, I agree. And, and that gets more and more challenging the further you go down the road. So yes, we definitely see that stress bubbling up with some of the couples that we work with. Our job is to figure out the complexities in somebody's financial life and to help make sense of them and to help streamline some things that maybe aren't running as smoothly as they could be or that are causing that confusion and that stress. Mm-hmm. All right. So on the, on the other side, let's turn this positively. Now, this is coming back to the beginning. We pick three words to define every year for Morton Brown Family Wealth. This year, one of the words is simplify. What does financial simplicity look like? Financial simplicity, it's a combination of having a, a solid enough understanding, but also having a good relationship with an advisor that is focused on keeping things at the right level for you and your family and making sure that everybody has a strong understanding of what's there, what the purpose is behind everything that you own, and, and how it's going to help contribute to your financial success. And I think you walk away with that, that calming confidence that you and your family are in a good spot, and you're doing what you need to do to be successful in whatever way you define that success. Right. And it, it's it's not easy to get there. I mean, we've heard people say, I waited a long time to come talk to an advisor because I was ashamed of all the complexity or I didn't understand things or there, it, was a, it was a hurdle to get over there. So I think part of the advisor's role should be kind of meeting people where they are and helping to say, listen, come, come as you are. Let's, let's look at this. And sometimes it's a really organized spreadsheet. 
Sometimes it's a banker's box filled with documents dating back to the mid-90s, and we have to sort it all out. <laughs> I was just thinking about this. We have a list of questions for a financial advisor that we give to people, say, hey, if you're talking to us or talking to anyone else, these are the things that you'll want to know so you can determine if this is the right fit or person to work with you. Wouldn't it be a good question to add to that to say, how will you help me simplify my financial life? I love that. I think that's fantastic. I do think one of the ways that that we help in that process is taking whatever plan they already have in place, whatever strategy is being presented to them, and and really helping to apply it to their specific family. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking recently there was a family that we have been in conversations with them. They're updating their estate plans and their state attorney put together a wonderful strategy to ensure that they will not have any estate taxes and that all of their requests and everything else will be met. However, it was more complex than they likely need once we started applying it to them and saying, okay, so what does this mean for the surviving spouse at the first passing? How does everything flow? What does that mean for the second spouse and for the heirs? And walking through that conversation, I think was very, very helpful, both for the family and also to have the attorney on the line and for everyone to sit back and say, okay, that's a great plan. But is that a great plan for Mr. and Mrs. Name it? Yeah, I think, you know, in estate planning and other things, sometimes we we bend over backwards to solve for a lot of future problems. Yes. And, and, and trying to address things that may or may not come up down the line. And it's a good thought exercise. But again, you have to have that kind of sim- simplicity muscle there to exercise, to keep it on the rails, because sometimes you can sacrifice peace or flexibility or other things that are really worth holding on to uh, in, in the interest of complexity. And I, and I think that's similar also for investments. There are a lot of different things that you can invest in. It's, it's almost that, that reach for return. I want to do something to generate a great return. Wonderful. But how does that show up today, tomorrow, next year, the year after? Are you sacrificing liquidity? Is that going to be okay for your family? Do you have full visibility on how it's actually performing when you need it? And is that going to be okay? I think there's the the wonderful, beautiful strategy that's there, but then independent of that is what does that mean for your day-to-day life today, tomorrow? I was trying to think of an analogy outside of investing that would be appropriate for, for like why simplicity works. And it, now I, I say this full disclosure, I'm not a foodie. However, I like watching cooking shows when Anthony Bourdain was doing his shows, um, travel shows. He, he had a comment about good food is very often simple food. Mm-hmm. It has the right amount of ingredients, not too many. Quality matters more than price. There can be many different dishes for the same dish, but you're going to find your favorite version of that. And it serves a very specific purpose. And I think that's that's really true when you're putting this together. It's like, yes, you could put in all the ingredients, but at some point you're getting diminishing returns from all that additional complexity. And oh, by the way, it might be eating into the true experience of what you want to have. Is that fair? I think that's very fair. Yeah, I think that's a good analogy. And I think there are a lot of things probably in our life that can be overdone. Give me an example. Um, This is not going to be a great example, but if you think about your personal residence, 
Who doesn't walk into a room to say, oh, I need to replace that. I need to redo this. There are always going to be projects and home improvements and refreshing and everything else to be done. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to take on every project. This is something that my husband and I often talk about too. We're like, all right, you know what? Yes, it it might look nicer if we repaint that room, but let's pump the brakes and let's take some time for ourselves and do something else instead. We don't have to do all the things all the time. Sometimes the best thing to do is to just spend the time with your family and, and do something that's going to be meaningful and create a memory instead. Right. Well, that's an important part of simplicity too, is that you have to create things in a way that it doesn't require action. I put some grass seed down last week. Mm -hmm. I didn't own a sprinkler. I had to go buy a sprinkler. It didn't cover all the space. Every 30 minutes for three hours last night, I was going outside repositioning the sprinkler. I built a system that required me to get up and move every 30 minutes to move this thing around. If that's a metaphor for your investing plan, you know, it just that required action. It's it's going to prevent you. Like I didn't have an enjoyable night. It's going to let you, you're going to enjoy less of things. Or you're going to think of a better system to do it. So I think with anything, you're right. If you're building in the need to constantly act, you're going to enjoy life less. And we, we've had clients tell us that a lot recently. I want you to make sure that this is done and simplified and moving where it needs to be, because I'm going to go over here and enjoy the rest of my life. Right. Even if that is painting another room. Yeah. Maybe that's what we want to do. Well, in full disclosure, I actually like to paint. I think that's one of the quickest, cheapest, easiest things that you can do to make something look fresh again. So I never mind that. It's the watering of the grass that drives me crazy. Oh, give, give me a couple of weeks and I might love sprinkling. You never know. <laughs> True, you might. It's an acquired taste. All right, Katie, what's an actionable step that you would say if somebody came in and said, I have too much complexity in my life and, and kind of rattle off just where it shows up, what's a mindset that you would encourage them to adopt to start thinking more simply about their financial life? I I would say, actually, I'm going to bring in another quick example. Sure. I have become much better, in my opinion, at being selective when I buy new clothes. So if I try something on and I do not immediately love it, I will not buy it. And I think that I've become much better at putting something on and saying, do I love it? Nope. Okay, done. Moving on. I would apply that same type of mentality to anything new that you bring into your life. Is this going to make a better life for me? Do I love it? Do I still hold on to it? If I don't, then no, let's figure out a way to move it out or just not even take that step forward to add it. As the husband of a declutter coach, I can sympathize with you. Yes. <laughs> yes. Anything that I try to bring in the house has to be vetted. I I think, I think what we're getting at here is, you know, simplicity is like quality's cousin. They're related. It, that there's something about if you're going to bring something else in and add to complexity, it might be crowding out something else mm-hmm. or diluting something else. Yes. And it's important and, and it's worth it's worth protecting. I love visuals. So, you know, you have this this fortress of a financial life or a household or something like that. What, what walls does something have to get over to get in and add complexity, clutter, whatever you want to call it? Yes, I would agree completely. I think there's only so much capacity that all of us have, whether that's physical capacity or mental capacity. At some point, you you start to bump up to the boundaries and you do need to make those qualitative decisions. What's going to add, what's not going to add to the quality of your life. This is a good conversation. I like this one, uh, simplicity versus complexity and how I think advisors can be good advocates for that. And it should be a client's expectation that we work hard to bring some simplified approach 
versus the natural complexity that comes from the industry. Yes. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Simply Why, a podcast about money and purpose. We hope you enjoyed getting to know us, how we approach leading a financial advisory practice, and the work we do every day to help families and couples make important financial decisions. Morton Brown Family Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This podcast is designed for educational and informational purposes and not intended as investment advice. More information can be found at www.mortonbrownfw.com.